Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Luke 9, 28 through 36. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Luke in your Bible. Now, about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on a mountain, on the mountain, to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep. But since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving, Peter said to Jesus, Master, is it good for us to be here? Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. Um, well, like I said to the kids today, we're calling it like Ash Sunday. It's the Lent begins on Wednesday, and that's when that book will begin too. Um, and, and I'm going to be out of town. Uh, I have class this week, and so I'll be out the entire week, and so we couldn't do Ash Wednesday. Uh, and since I wanted to do that with us, uh, I decided we would... We would do it on Sunday. So I, just to let you know how this is going to happen, uh, towards the end, uh, we'll have, everything will kind of be like normal. We'll do the, the Lord's Supper, the, the whole reading that we do. And then you can come forward and we'll have, um, we'll have some communion stuff there and some communion stuff there. And so if you want ashes, you can get them. We'll smear them on your, your forehead. Uh, but feel no obligation to do that. If you don't, just kind of peel off and... and uh, grab some communion for you, and you go. Uh, I will say that the season of Lent for me personally has been one of uh, the most significant times of, of growth for me spiritually. Uh, I think it's because, uh, well, because I, I probably pay a little bit more attention to things during this, this season than, than sometimes I normally do. And so I will, once we get to the end of things today, I'll, I'll uh, invite you to join me in a very specific way. Uh, for the next uh, 40 days-ish. It's 40 days, not counting Sundays. So, um, I, about halfway through the week, I, I, I changed the direction that today was going to go, uh, speaking-wise. And it's, it's also Transfiguration Sunday, which is the story that, that uh, Sam read. And, um, and I've got that, I had it all prepared to kind of segue that into Ash Wednesday. But uh, I just begin to think about a lot of things, and uh, I'm plagued with that at times, and I'm a verbal processor, and so um, sometimes I don't deal with a lot of people during the day, and so I go home, and I, I have all of my words, and I give them to Lori, uh, and she's like, but I've been with kids <laughs> for 12 snow days in a row. Um, anyway, and so I... I, I it's, it's about the church, it's about us, it's about what maybe God um, is calling us to do, and um, so I kind of want it to be 
uh, well, what is it? maybe not a conversation, maybe a conversation, uh, to where uh, you can feel free to push back on things I might say. It's nothing to be nothing controversial, um, but just the nature of the church and where God might be leading us. Because uh, dialogue is always better than monologue. And uh, so I invite you into this. And, and if you don't speak today, that's fine. We don't have to do that. But if you have thoughts afterwards, I'd, I'd love to hear it. It started when... Um, kind of thinking through uh, where I am at kind of personally and, and spiritually. And, uh, I felt like for the last couple of weeks, and, and it's probably because of my, uh, the, my health and the things that my body has done to me. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not unique in that. Lots of people have things that hurt and need to get fixed. Uh, but for whatever reason, it's got me out of routine, and I've kind of felt like I've been spinning my wheels, like, like it's mud, or ice uh, and snow, and I'm just I'm expending some energy, and I'm not getting very far. Have you guys ever felt like that? Like, I just kind of kind of keep going, and and so that I, it caused me to reflect about COVID and maybe its benefits. I know that seems odd, but uh, I, I looked back over the kind of the most intense part of this. Maybe, and don't hate me for this. Maybe with a little bit of fondness. I know. Not the part where we weren't allowed to meet on Sunday morning or we didn't, you know, we didn't meet for those couple of weeks. Um, but during that time, I was like, I was healthier. Like, I ate better. I slept better. Uh, I had lots of more time with my family. Um, and I don't know, it was, it was just, it was a good time. And it came out of that, oddly enough, uh, I know some of you gained weight during covid but I lost like the last five pounds I was looking to lose. Uh, and, and so, I don't know, it just, it just felt, felt good. And i kind of contrasting that to where I feel like right now. And um, I was like, well, I kind of wanted to go back. I don't. I don't, right? You're shaking your head. I don't. Um, I can't wait till like masks aren't a thing or uh, we're not afraid that Aunt Susie's going to die if we, she gets COVID. Um, and so, but I, it kind of made me think about what, what's the church's role in our life and does it help us to be better Christians sometimes and does it not? I promise you there's a connection here that's, that's right in my head. I may not be articulating it quite right. Uh, anyway, that, that whole kind of thing has got me thinking about, about church. And... Um, so it, it made me think about what's, what used to work in church and maybe what still might in some places. Um, I, I think it used to be, it used to be that uh, if, if, you built, if you built a really great facility, that lots of people would come. Or if you uh, had the right kind of programming, you could attract a whole bunch of people to your church. It used to be, maybe, uh, that if you, if, you, if you sang it good enough, now, by the way, I think our music is better than anybody else's around, just so you know. Thank you for Sam. He's so great to work with. Um, it used to be like if you, if, you, if you had the right music, then they would, they would come. And maybe even if you had the right preacher, they would come and, and see this amazing spectacle that we call preaching. And, and, and for sometimes that, that, that works, and, and in some places I think it still works. By the way, I'm going to speak in some generalities, and maybe in a little bit of hyperbole, 
just know that I realize that there's a balance that needs to happen in some of the things I'm going to say. Right? Balance. Tension. Tension. On either side. Um, yeah, so if you build it, they will come. If you preach it, they will come. If you sing it, they will come. If you program it, they will come. And uh, there's, I think there's reasons why the, the church has ended up that way. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily how it should be. Uh, I think it also used to be that the church used to be like the hub. If you grew up in the church, it was this way. And maybe not even so. The church used to be the hub around which everything revolved. Uh, certainly true for my life, and I was talking with Sam, and, and he felt that way too. Like, so it was the center of my social world. Like I had, I had friends at school, but I had, I had church. Um, it, was, it was the center of uh, what God was calling us to do. So if we, had to, if we could do anything for God, it was to come to church and do the things that church was doing. Um, it was the center of our evangelism, right? And so uh, it was taught from a very early age that uh, if you were going to have an impact in the world, then you needed to invite people to church because we would get them saved at church. Um, and, uh, and, and looking back, like I did two things in high school. I worked at Yoder's Country Market grocery store where I did every job imaginable except like butcher. Uh, everything from stocking to cashier, photo things. Anyway, um, I did that and I went to church. And I had friends at high school, in, in school, but like, yeah, that's it. And consequently, I don't really talk to any of them now, uh, which I think is kind of sad. Uh, Lori and I had vastly different experiences in this kind of way. But um, I wonder, I, I wonder if, if, uh, if the church shouldn't be the hub. Uh, don't get me wrong, I want you to come to church. This is where this balance is happening, right? Um, uh, okay, let me go back further. So I was told that if you, know, if you were to make impact, you had to invite people to church because we'd get them saved. Um, and I think it's, it developed for us and, and maybe for other churches that, like, that if, if you were going to do anything good and right in the world, it needed to involve the church. So if you were going to uh, have a social party, the church needed to plan it so we could all be together. If you were going to do uh, any kind of ministry work, well, the church had to be the one to put it on. And if you, if you wanted to facilitate relationships between people, well, you didn't invite them over to your house. You asked the church to hold a potluck, and that's, that's what happened. And, and people, that's how you facilitated. And, and it became this thing that, okay, so I'm baggage, right? I'm just telling you my experience of some of these things and, and what I hope we're not. And, and we're not, right? But I think sometimes we, we fell into the trap that we, we believe that the church had to facilitate everything. Uh, and I, I think, uh, well, I don't think that's how it should be. Um, uh, one, because I don't think it works as well. One, because I think our world has changed significantly. Uh, Sam and I were talking on Friday, and he's like, yeah, because his, his mom's a pastor, and my family's a pastor. Like, they used to have 
revivals and uh, you know it would be scheduled for a certain amount of time but it would go on forever and Sam's like what did these people do? Like, where did they have time for this? And my response was, like, they didn't have the internet. Uh, But I think, here's what I'm trying to say. I think that that when we make make the church about the church, uh, we exhaust people and we're not very good Christians. Uh, Hyperbole. Right? The church ultimately is to be uh, a place of sending. Uh, Jesus didn't say to his disciples, to, to the 12 when he sent them out, and then later on, like 72, he didn't say to them, go out and proclaim the good news and bring them all back together and we will have church. Like Jesus taught them and discipled them, and then Jesus sent them out into the community, into the world, to proclaim. And, and that happens with the apostles too, right? They, they go. Um, I think that's kind of my philosophy of, of where, where I'm going personally and what I think we should be. And I'm not articulating this super awesome, so forgive me. Um, but I think, I think I believe this now, that the going from church is as, important, is as important as and maybe not more important than the coming to church. Once again, I want you to come to church. I want us to worship together. I want us to sing and eat together and to pray together and to read scripture together so that we can then go out. I, I, one of the things... And I think, too, is that a lot of people don't have, like, they don't have the margin in their life. They're busy, for whatever reason, right or wrong, to always have the church be the hub. And, and if they do that, uh, they get exhausted, and then maybe they're not healthy enough to really, truly be Christ in their, in their neighborhood or at their work. Uh, maybe sometimes the church takes up so much time that, that you can't then don't have time to to go out with your friends and have a cup of coffee, to share life over a meal, uh, or just talk on the phone. I hate talking on the phone. <laughs> Don't call me, text me. I guess I'm a millennial. I'm an elder millennial. Yeah. Geriatric, I've said that before. Yeah. And that was a thing once. Um, uh, I feel geriatric sometimes. Okay, so I, I was going over my notes for this, this next class, and um, this one book, a couple of things jumped out at me. I, I think it, it was kind of a history of uh, mission in the church all over the world. It's called, the book's called uh, To the Nations, To All Nations, From All Nations. And it, early on, it was tracking the, the kind of the movement of the gospel in the early centuries, like before 300 before, the, before Constantine converted and Christianity became uh, kind of legal in the Roman Empire. And, and he, he makes, the, the authors make a couple of um, observations. And I will say this before I, I read these. I think that our world resembles uh, ancient Rome in a lot of ways 
more than it doesn't. In the fact that, that we live in, um, a, we may not, but a lot of the world lives in a really cosmopolitan kind of urban way. The ancient world was an urban world. Um, that there was polytheism everywhere. That there was a multitude of, of, of religions and gods and everybody believed differently. And I think we have a little bit of that. Uh, it may not be as explicit as that, but I think everybody's kind of taken the good things of whatever they want and made their own little, their own little religion. But uh, anyway, that's to say I think we're, we're there. Three, um, three, three uh, observations. Commenting about the role of women in the expansion of ancient Christianity, they say, the cases where women converted their husbands, where women converted their husbands and fathers were more frequent than the other way around. Uh, ladies, don't let anybody tell you that you cannot or should not be a spiritual leader in your household or the church. Uh, that's just the way it is. You can, we can fight later if you want. Uh, uh, worship, in terms of like worship, many other cults invading the Roman Empire at the time, uh, so religions, offered fascinating and moving liturgy. Uh, worship in church did not result in the conversion of non-believers. Evangelism took place outside of Worship. I think this maybe encapsulates what I'm kind of wanting to say. Like, the church gathered together um, and didn't expect anybody to get saved in that meeting necessarily. But they went out into the world and took the good news to the places around them. Um, By the way, about the liturgies, um, we don't necessarily have, like, different religions that we follow. Well, they might be called the NFL. <laughs> like, if, if you've ever been to Bush Stadium on opening day, so baseball, that's a worship service. I, I've had the, the, the privilege of going a couple of times, and, there I, and from year to year it's the same. There's a liturgy. Like, there's things they do. They drive old players in on cars, and then the Clydesdales come in, and they play that annoying song, and that gets stuck in my head. I, you know the one. I'm not going to sing it. Uh, does that make sense? Like, there, the world has a lot of things to offer. I don't know. Sometimes we get caught trying to keep up. Not that I don't want our worship to be good. I don't know. I'm not making sense. But missionaries. Uh, most expansion of Christianity in the centuries before Constantine, the Emperor Constantine, was not a result of the work of people exclusively devoted to the task, but the result of the constant witness of many lay people. So, conversion happened by the church gathering and then being sent. Uh, People came to Jesus because you all went out and lived like Christ in the middle of your context. What's that? And shared their stories. I, I, I struggle with, with, with saying some of this because the question might arise, well, what do we need you for? 
<laughs> Thanks, Deb. Like, what, what do we need this church for? What do we need the building for if, if you know, the really good work is going to happen outside? And uh, we need each other to be the church. Uh, if, if in our crazy, mixed up, rapidly changing world, if Heartland Church is going to do anything, we have to gather we have to worship. We have to remind ourselves who's in control of this whole thing, which, by the way, is what worship is about. Uh, God is God and we are not. We have to sit together and read scripture together and struggle with what it says and have it insult us and make us angry. We talk about that in Bible study. By the way, if I make you angry with what I'm preaching, it's on you. We, we discovered that this morning. Uh, we, we've got to come together and we've got to share a meal or a cup of coffee and uh, shoulder each other's burdens and play ping pong. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. It, it is. It is. Exactly. Like that. Now, I, I want you to bring your friends here too uh, because I think they'll like us. Um, and maybe just make fun of the goofy preacher. I don't know. Uh, but, but that's, we, we gather so that we might go out into the world. Um, how this connects to Ash Wednesday or Sunday and the passage that we, uh, that we just read. So Jesus goes, he takes Peter, James, and John up on a mountain. This is the second hour of my sermon. Uh, he takes them up on the mountain, and uh, they pray a little bit, and then, like, the disciples are tired, so they kind of half fall asleep, and all, when they wake up, Jesus is talking with Moses and Elijah. Uh, and it's this crazy scene. And, and, and the whole story is meant to evoke uh, the Exodus story. It's meant to evoke uh, what happens on Mount Sinai when Moses goes up and receives the, the law. It's, it's meant to remind us of God's greatest and most significant saving work in history to that point. God's salvation for his people. And, and you hear the voice of God saying, this is my beloved, listen to him and and then uh, Peter interjects and wants to build some huts because that's the festival of booths. Anyway, I don't want to get too deep into that. But they come down off the mountain and Jesus tells them, don't tell anybody what you've seen here. Um, and I think, I think he tells them that because like, they get the idea that, that in Jesus, God is going to do something spectacular. That in Jesus, salvation is going to come in a new and spectacular way. But they don't understand it fully yet. And so Jesus tells them, just shut up because you'll get it wrong just right now. I, I, think, I, think, uh, I think sometimes Jesus needs to say that to us. And that's why we gather and pray and preach and read. Where this connects with Ash Wednesday and Lent, I think Lent is the perfect time to sit 
with knowledge that God is bringing salvation, that God has brought salvation and that he's changing the world and, and it's going to be good and, and right and whole again, but then to, to, to sit patiently knowing that we probably have some of it wrong. And then to sit and listen and ask God to give us the wisdom that we need to then go out. This is, makes sense in my head. Uh, hopefully it does here. I, I hope that we are a church. And, and we're going to figure out how to do this gather and then go thing well, hopefully. Uh, I hope we are a church that, that gathers so that we can go and live good Christian lives in our communities. That the church isn't a hindrance to you being a missionary, but that it is, well, that it is a, uh, an equipper and a, and a sender. Okay, so the question, last question I have. How can we be good missionaries? And I come up with a couple of things that I think good missionaries do. Um, good missionaries share life with friends over coffee and food. Not hard. By the way, I, I meant to say this. Uh, for most of my life, the prospect of trying to invite somebody to church was absolutely terrifying. Not because I was shamed, just because I'm, like, it's up there with asking a girl on a date. <laughs> no, no, no joke. Because like, the level of rejection uh, yes, or it feels like you're trying to sell them something. Um, and I, I think part of what the church did was then, okay, we need to create events that make it comfortable for people to invite their friends. When in reality, what we should have been doing is saying, uh, okay, when you leave this place, you don't stop being the church. Like, you go out here and, and you sit and have coffee with friends or you share a meal uh, and you are still the church. And you're, and you're sharing life. And, and maybe some non-Christian friends come along with that. Maybe not. It's much easier to invite someone to coffee than it is to church. Do that instead. And then maybe they come to church later. I don't know. Host a social event in your home. Include some of your church friends and maybe some of your unchristian friends too. Uh, Food is a wonderful thing. Some of you have a, a spiritual gift of food, of making it. I have the spiritual gift of eating it. Uh, the friends that I have deepest connections with, we ate together a lot. Uh, the people who I've been most impacted by, I have eaten with a lot. The people who have helped me grow most significantly, I have eaten with a lot. If you want to be a good missionary, go out to eat. <laughs> or have them over. Second, next, next thing, be authentic. Um, and by that I mean be yourself and the fact that you are who you are and that God is working on you and you are not yet perfect that you don't need to be overly Jesus-y. 
uh, I really wanted to show this video. Um, and maybe I will. Uh, maybe I'll just post it on, on Facebook. But uh, it's an overdub of an old Jesus movie. And Jesus stands up, and it's, it's, the, it's the hometown sermon. Well, no, it's the one where he casts out a demon. Anyway, and, and Jesus is like, welcome to the first Christian church. He kind of talks like that. Uh, and you can be good Christians by wearing T-shirts with my face on it and having a beard. It's funnier. I find it hilarious. You may not. You may be offended by it. I don't care. Um, like, that's not what we're talking about. Like, be authentically who you are in your, in your broken, not quite wholeness yet. As long as you lead with love and grace and respect. Okay. Uh, pray with friends. Uh, every month, I get together with pastor of the uh, Jefferson City Church and the one over in uh, Columbia and we invite the people from the Mexico Church but they don't ever come and uh, <laughs> uh, Gary Garrett comes with us sometimes and, and uh, we pray together and, and what this looks like, it sounds uh, let me just be honest uh, I think praying together sometimes is really awkward and sometimes I'd rather do anything else. Just, but what we do, we sit around a table and we just talk about what's going on. Uh, the struggles that we have, uh, the things we're celebrating, what we need advice on. And after that, after everybody shares, uh, we just go around the circle and each of us prays for like two minutes. You know, we pray for the person on the right, that kind of thing. And then we go out to eat. There's that eating thing again. And, and I think we're, we're, we're better together, and I think our churches are better for that, and pray with friends. So if it means that you get around, and you have coffee, and you sit around pastries and whatnot, and you share about your joys and your concerns and the things that are good and the things that you're looking forward to, and then maybe you silently pray or out loud pray for each other, and it doesn't have to be long, I think something important happens in those moments. Serve with friends together. Uh, the church doesn't have to reinvent doing compassionate or good things in the community. Uh, there are lots and lots of really, really good things going on. So, I think serving with friends, I think there's, there's two things that I know that people do right now. Um, it's the women's center. Uh, Marcia knows about that. Judy, know, Judy knows about that. And you guys serve together. And you don't need the church. But you're part of us. And you're the church there. See what I mean? And Tammy too, sorry. Uh, faith maternity. Uh, where's Carol? Uh, she, she's upstairs. Carol is on their board, and so is Kim, right? You're still on the board? And Laura used to be. Laura Griggs used to be. And they serve together. And they're not, that's not church. But we partner with with them. Uh, we recently helped them buy some windows. Uh, we're going to try to be a little bit more involved. The soup kitchen is making a comeback. Did you know this? Yeah. Um, under some hopefully better leadership. Uh, that will be a place for us to serve together where we are, we are our church. We are the church in that place. Okay. So 
So those are just some ways. There are other ways for you to be a good missionary. Um, what I want us to do, what I'm going to do this Lent, uh, so, so it's traditional Lent to kind of give up something, and sometimes we just make it about that and not like adding you know, a deepening of our relationship. I don't necessarily want you to give up something this Lent. I'm not necessarily going to give up something this way. What I am going to do, hopefully, and what I invite you to do too, is to, maybe I stop doing something, but maybe I rearrange my life just a little bit so that I might have more time to sit and pray. Uh, that I might have more time maybe to sit with friends and pray, or have coffee with friends and pray, or to eat meals. And I think our prayer needs to look like this. Well, first we kind of need to be quiet. And invite God to speak to us. And then maybe we pour out our heart. And then we ask God to help us have wisdom and discernment and direction. All the things I mentioned last week, by the way, and that we might have courage to be the people that God is calling us to be in here, but more importantly, out there. I think, I think I want you to pray those prayers for your own personal life, and I want you to pray those prayers for this church, for our church, for the work that we do, for the the people we send out, uh, so that we might, so we might have time and space to love our neighbors as ourselves in the best possible way that we can. Does that make sense? I think if we do that too, we will begin maybe a little bit more to understand who Jesus is. Which then informs how we live because we're supposed to be like him. By the way, if, if you get together with friends and you want to read the Bible together and you need resources for that, uh, I will do everything I possibly can to make sure that you have something. I will... I will write it, or I will find it, or I will steal it for you. All of those things. W- will you join me in doing that, this, this Lent? It doesn't have to be big. I think maybe we start out week one, a couple of minutes. Maybe you get a little bit more as we go down. So we might be the church here, but we might be the church out there better. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.